is it becomes your identity that I am a student athlete or I am an athlete. It's like, no, you're John. Your name's John. You're a human being. You know, you, you have a mother, you have a sister, you know, you, you're, you're a human and your worth is not determined by what you do. It's just who you are. It's how you treat people. It's the quality of who you are as a husband, as a father, as a sister, as a boyfriend, as a stranger, as a customer, as a, as a human, as how you treat everyone. There's your value. It's not how, you know, how many dunks you got in the last game. Welcome to the Offball Podcast. My name is Martin Reeder. I'm a 2012 beach volleyball Olympian, Nike trainer, and movement leader. Here in the Offball Conversations, we dive into personal development. We get into identity beyond sport, beyond the ball. And we look at personal development. What are you doing when nobody's watching to improve the outcome of both your life and the sports and pursuits that you're involved in. One of those points is really making sure that you're doing more than one thing. So the multi-discipline, multi-sport athlete is something that we're, we're losing this day and age. And there's a bit of misinformation around early specialization that I think is taking away from the culture of sport and it's taking away from the youth that are playing it. And that's a great transition because today's guest is a multi-sport athlete and, and someone who now is one of the best in the world at his chosen discipline, but he's able to draw from his past experiences in sport to create a unique nexus point that makes him one of the best in the world. Today's guest is Brent Fikowski, one of the fittest men on the planet, one of and maybe the fittest man in Canada. And just an all-round swell guy. He's a gentle giant, one of the tallest guys in his sport as well, six foot two. But more importantly, this guy is deep. If you are a CrossFitter and you've been following him, you likely know that good-looking, tall fella. But he has substance, and he stands for something, and we're going to dive into that today. Uh, we're going to talk about how he strategizes his suffering, how breath impacts his game, some nutritional, some sleep, some some regenerative efforts that, that he's working on. And then we go beyond CrossFit, we go beyond sport into his wife Claire, uh, how he defines himself outside of competition, uh, how he manages the challenge of CrossFit through every single piece in his life and putting those together. This is a very rich conversation, and I'd like to say that we, we go to a different place than, than most of his other interviews. So it's an honor and a pleasure to present to you Brent Fukowski, second fittest man on earth, and hopefully the fittest in 2018. Enjoy. Welcome to the Offball Podcast. Today we have Brent Fukowski, second at the Reebok World Championships 2017 and in line for the 2018 World Champs. He's competing like a madman right now, but beyond CrossFit, this guy's just a stand-up dude and some volleyball alumni in there. So I, I'm stoked to have you on the show here, Brent. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Martin. Excited. Yeah. So let's start with the the low-hanging fruit, and that's Brent Fukowski, CrossFit beast. Talk to me a little bit about your inception, how you got into CrossFit at uh, at the beginning. I think it might have been around 2013. And, and let's walk through the journey of uh, you as a CrossFit athlete. Yeah, I my first um, introduction at all into CrossFit was doing a few uh, CrossFit-type workouts when I was at Lethbridge College playing indoor volleyball. Um, my coach Ian Bennett had us do a few workouts and right around that time or right before that time, it was actually watching videos of Martin Reeder. I think they're still <laughs> on there. 
they're they're, on, they're un- regretfully regretfully they're still on youtube no one's trolled them too hard thank goodness yeah. no it's so back in the day this was circa 2009 or 2010 that's when i was around 18 19 um just sort of transitioning out of high school playing some beach volleyball getting into that scene moving into um indoor volleyball on a scholarship at lethbridge college and, you know, so I had a coach there that got us into it a little bit, some more strength and conditioning and um, watching these videos of Martin Reeder, who I looked up to, um, you know, who was starting to make his moves to try to make the Olympics in beach volleyball and was watching these videos of him. You know, I think he was doing kipping pull-ups. He was doing cleans. He was doing deadlifts, squats. And I was like, man, that looks so cool. And this guy's like huge. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, your, your triceps popping out of the video camera right now hit me in the face. Yeah, the it, wasn't, it wasn't always yeah. that way, man. It's been six years of weight lifting weights, and I still look a lot smaller than most of the guys I compete against. Um, it's just funny. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that was kind of my introduction to, like, understanding that. And I did some weightlifting um, in – you know, from the age of maybe 15 to 18, uh, called it dry land training um, when I was a competitive swimmer. So I had a bit of a program. We did some shoulder press and some leg press and, you know, Arnold press and pull-ups and whatever, um, banded things. And <laughs> I still use the bands now. And um, so I had an – and I always loved that aspect of the training. And then I finished my uh, two years at Lethbridge College Volleyball. Um, we had a good team. I didn't see a lot of court time, admittedly. Um, I had a great time though. I didn't regret it. It's just guys were better than me. Uh, and then played for two years and then I went to finish my university, uh, degree to become an accountant. I went to Australia. I went there with my best friend who also played volleyball. So we started playing some beach volleyball, played a bit of indoor in Australia. So this was in 2012. And so in May of 2012, I was in Australia and I'd saved up enough money And I was like, finally, I'm going to be able to, I think I'm going to join a CrossFit gym. And I heard good things about this gym in really close to me. And I went there and, uh, really within two, three months, I was playing, playing, I was playing a lot less volleyball and I was in the CrossFit gym a lot more, Mm -hmm. um, falling in love with the style of training, had a really good coach there. The volleyball scene wasn't quite as vibrant as, I mean, it was, it was there, but it was a lot of beer leagues. It wasn't very competitive. It was, you know, you kind of had to to guide yourself and there wasn't really the coaching to, to really try to push me or me and my friend to the next level. So I decided to spend, you know, most of my time training to just become better at CrossFit. I, you know, there's all these little competitions and there were some bigger competitions and yeah. And so that was 2012, May, 2012. And then fast forward February, 2013, I went through the open, did well in that, which was a qualifier and I made it to regionals. So regionals was in Australia, 2013, May, I came sixth. Uh, it was in this big stadium, a couple thousand people watching. It was a super cool experience. I was super proud of what I did and knew I still had like so much more room to improve. And kind of the rest is history. I, you know, I kept making regionals and I just kept missing out on the games and you know, learned from that. And then yeah, now here I am. I've made the CrossFit Games uh, second in the world last year and uh, still learning, still getting better, and still having a good time. The tallest man in CrossFit making That's it right. happen. For all those out there, six foot two, I, I remember coming out and watching you in, I think it was Whitby at uh, the International Cup, and you had the team deadlift. And unfortunately, the the girls from Canada were like five 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 six, and and your your fellow male well, I might have been a, a a five niner, and so you're yeah. you're literally pulling. I, I don't know how much was on the bar, but at the top end of that bar, I'd like to say that you had to lift seventy five percent of that weight. Yeah, so we had four <laughs> people all lifting this like massive, massively long barbell. It was the, um, it was called the CrossFit Invitational. So there was a Team Canada, Team USA, and all these teams. So there's this like you know barbell that was eight feet long or something, and we all had to pick it up together in sync in unity. And so you know I got it to my knee or just past my knee, and everyone else was locked out. So I had to finish from my knee to my hip this deadlift. Uh, the whole bar weighed 800 pounds, so oh. I was I was definitely pulling like on my own at the end about 500 just that extra little bit for 45 reps yeah it was pretty rough and i'm not a great deadlifter to begin with so it's like great good good yeah so i'm I'm very tall for the sport which um has provided its challenges but also opportunities so talk to me about your your athleticism from volleyball and potentially other sports and how you were able to translate what you loved about 
sport into CrossFit? Because you obviously need to buy into CrossFit on your own terms to make it work for you because it's really just a big-ass suffer fest. So talk to me a little bit about what appealed to you in CrossFit and what you were able to bring into the sport that was unique to you. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, what appealed to me was, you know, there was so much to learn. I think um, the other day I was compiling a list and there's there's a solid – like there's 50 core movements and from that maybe like 140 um, sort of movements from that. But there's there's so many different things we have to do, um, you know, from like there's 30 different movements you might have to do with a barbell. There's, there's just so many things you have to do, 50 different gymnastics movements. Um, and so I think it really appealed to me that I could I could work hard and I could come in and just constantly see, you know, improvement if I just – kept coming in because there's so many things to improve on and not, I don't, I don't have a lack of focus. I mean, I focused on basically breaststroke for years, um, you know, one race. So I'm not like a squirrel where I'm, I have to be bouncing around. I can stick to something for a long time, but that, that is a little addicting, you know, when you have all this stuff to work on and you can see yourself progress. I think what I brought from the other sports, um, was just, was just a work ethic. I think, you know, obviously there were physical skills that you know translate from one sport to the other obviously if you you know if you play volleyball you're going to bring your vertical to basketball and if you you know if you play if you're a swimmer you're going to bring your lungs onto the soccer court Mm -hmm. uh, soccer court soccer pitch um and so for me you know i brought my lungs from swimming and i brought you know my um my sort of fast twitch my ability to jump and um you know, that, that translated to a few things in volleyball. Uh, but yeah, I think from a mental standpoint, I think I consider myself to be pretty coachable. So I've had some really good coaches in CrossFit and I was able to pick things up quickly because, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, ever, I try not to presume that I know the right way. I just constantly try to soak things in and be willing to change, which I think is because there's so much to learn. You have to be willing to change. Totally. Uh, I think I brought that and I brought, um, yeah, I just, just focus. I think something I've done over, you know, in swimming was I was constantly willing to, to update everything, you know, um, about what I was doing, how I was training, how I was living just over time, just develop these, you know, create new habits over and over again that became habits, but to anyone else would seem like massive dedication. Um, to me, it was just how I lived. And so I, I think since I've been doing CrossFit, there's just all these little things in my my life and my training, I'm constantly willing to update, um, sharpen the saw is a term I use is from seven habits of highly effective people. And I'm, I'm always willing to, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to change everything because obviously things are working, but you have to be willing to constantly update and, you know, look critically at what you're doing. And I think I brought that, that sort of attitude to CrossFit, which has been really good to me. And I think that's why I had some success in other sports as well. Amazing. And, and considering, the field of play, your opponents, you know, where the sport's at, do you see that as a competitive advantage for you? Because, you know, at the end of the day, the, a bunch of weights or there's ropes or it's dead weight, like it's so much more than lifting weights. Like the, the game that is CrossFit arguably is far more mental than it is physical, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I see some athletes that I'm, you know, I'm, I'd consider my peers, you know, they're some of the best in the world. And I think that, you know, everyone's getting better because everyone's training. But I think that some athletes don't really look like give a really hard look at what they're doing and think like, how can I hack this? Like, how can I truly, you know, like really turn this on its head? And, you know, they have like little little things they do wrong, like movement inequalities, because it's a very movement-based sport. And I'm like, you know, you're still doing that. Like you're still, you know, you always look to the right when you run or something like that. And like, why aren't you looking straight ahead? Mm. You know, like I can see that and like surely you know that or someone's told you and you just choose to neglect it because it's hard to fix. And so I like to think, you know, when I look back at film of myself from two years ago, one year ago, you know, I've had these pretty, I mean – noticeable to me and noticeable to people that know like pretty drastic changes in technique and in how I approach things because you know I've had to I've had to change those things it's like when Tiger Woods he's best in the world he changed his golf swing and he got worse for a while and they said well why did you change your golf swing you're winning it wasn't perfect yet Mm -hmm. 
Love so that, I think man. people are, people are a little afraid to change, and I think that that's a huge advantage for me. That um, I've continually been able to uh, to increase my skill set. Uh, I think that's yeah. I think that's and then the mental side. Yeah, I mean you know CrossFit is pain. Like you know every day, every competition, um, you need to keep sort of expanding or at least maintaining your ability to withstand mm-hmm. a certain amount of pain because you know when you do a lot of burpees in row, like it hurts. And one of my favorite quotes, I read this from a rower, an Olympic rower, and uh, someone asked him, you know, what do you, what advice do you have to someone who's starting Olympic rowing? And he said, get used to the pain. It's like the pain doesn't go away. You just get a little faster. Mm-hmm. And so the pain with CrossFit, it's the same pain, which is, which is what unites everyone in this sport. You know, the person that's at my gym, that's just there to get healthier and they train four times a week. Uh, the pain they experience is very similar to what I'm experiencing. The difference is I'm just able to lift a little more and, you know, maybe go a little faster. But the, the pain, it's it's not – it's very, very similar. So you have to get used to that. And if anything, as you get better, the pain increases. Yeah. Um, and you learn, you know, my, my coach, my coach is one of the toughest people I've ever met. And he said – he's like, you'll be fine. He's like, you know, no one's – He's like that I'm aware of. No one's ever died after doing like rowing and burpees. Yeah, but you know? did you die? Is the, the yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, you know, you can you can go through a lot of discomfort, and you know, you'll be fine. He's like, it's gonna hurt more, and then it you know you'll finish the event, and for ten seconds to a minute, it'll hurt, and then after that minute, you'll be okay. Just mm-hmm. like the guy who went twice as hard as you or half as hard as you, you'll all be fine. So he's just, just like, do it. Like, why, why wouldn't you? And he's so, he's so bullheaded like that, that he can just, it's so crazy watching him. Cause you wouldn't like, he can just absorb so much pain, probably more than me. Um, and do it consistently. Cause he just knows there's that confidence. Like, I know I'm going to be fine yeah. and I want to do well. Therefore I'm going to suffer. Well, that, that pain threshold, <clears throat> one's ability to buffer pain, you know, you got to go through it, but then there's also the skill of managing it. You're a really cerebral guy, obviously accountant, smart guy. We've had some great conversations. Like, can you take me inside of your head a little bit? And and it can be any form of competition or workout. You know, even eighteen point four, I think, just came through. Like, bring me through a journey of like how you manage yourself in a workout because CrossFit's really turned training you know the sport of training into a management like there's strategy now how do you strategize your lifts and strategize your performance to to finish in the top of your your class in the world i think that pain management you know like anything else is a skill and you know especially in in training and in competition it's very similar where you know you're i kind of hearken it to like i try to disassociate from the pain Um, and so, you know, I kind of use this image of like, I'm driving a car. So there's like little Brent in the back of my head and he's driving the big Brent and, you know, so he's at the controls and he's like, Oh, looks like big Brent's in a lot of pain right now. Yeah. That's to be expected. And so you try to, (laughs) you try to not experience the pain you allow. Let's call him big Brent. I've never used this expression. It's kind of fun. I love it. Um, yeah. (laughs) It's like big bird. Um, (laughs) So, you know, Big Brent is experiencing the pain and you're just, you're like, okay, you know, maybe that's a little too much. We're going to slow down to make sure he doesn't overheat. Okay, that's good. You know, that's that's a tolerable amount. I think Big Brent can handle that. We're going to do this for another five minutes, that amount of pain. And then for 30 seconds at the end, we're going to ramp up the pain. He'll be fine. And then we'll finish and we'll cool him down. So there's this disassociation and it's like if, if swimmers, most swimmers are really good at this, um, you know, at the, at the final end of the the race you don't breathe because breathing to the side and freestyle is um is not aerodynamic so everyone's like you feel like you're about to explode like it's this feeling of everything starts to feel like it's getting bigger but from the outside looking in your technique doesn't change your speed doesn't change but because of that lack of um, breathing that uh, um uh, oxygen deprivation or co2 um um increase uh you know you're exploding inside but you're fine Right. And you touch the wall, you take a big breath, two more deep breaths and you're fine. And so it's that disassociation from the pain. And it's, you know, you're using that as a metric to guide you and how fast you need to go. And if you need to slow down a little bit or if you need to go a little faster, um, 
again, if it's burpees and rowing, you know, you, you know, you're looking at the screen and you're maybe you're counting your speed per rep, but at the end of the day, you're reading your own, you know, your heart rate, your breathing rate internally. And you're saying, okay, am I, you know, just in the same way good runners will use maybe a heart rate monitor and use Mm -hmm. that strictly as their guide. I don't use a heart rate monitor, but I can kind of feel internally where that's at. And then I just try to use it as a guide and disassociate from the fact that it hurts. And that's, yeah, it's disassociation. I I love it because after going and doing the art of breath course down in Las Vegas recently with Rob Wilson and Brian McKenzie, I've now tapped into a tool that I never really recognized, which was breath. And so now I'm able to really recognize strategies before, during, and after to, to you know, hyperventilate or, or superventilate, as they call it, to, to preload. And then all of a sudden, I understand now I have gears that I didn't know I had before. I just was like, doing work. <laughs> and then, you know, almost died and then recovered and then move on. Now it's way more in tune with myself because I use the breath as the, as the point of the arrow. Can you talk yeah. to me a little bit how you manage your breath or how breath impacts your practice and, and your competition? I would say a really big one um, in CrossFit is let's say you're doing uh, let's say you're doing 50 clean and jerks. Um, you know, so you pick up a heavy barbell, lift it over your head, you drop it, and you pick it up again. And so there's this drop and there's this pause before you pick it up again. And you know, as you're doing the lift, there's probably either one long breath or two short breaths, and then you drop it, regardless of the weight, it's going to be one or two breaths. But then when you drop it, I time my rest based off the number of breaths I take. Mm. So I'll either take one deep breath and grab it, two, three, four, or five, right? And it depends on how heavy it is, depends on how tired I am, depends on how much more I have left. Um, Typically, it's two or three. That's pretty, pretty standard. Um, but if it's really heavy, it might be four. If I'm really tired, it might be four. If it's near the end of the workout, it might, it might not, you might not even have time. You just drop it and you go right back down and pick it up and you just, you know, breathe when you can. Um, so I think that's a really big one. And then, you know, the other really, really simple one for people to train with and something I do all the time is let's say you're on a bike or you're running is you have a breathing rate per step. Mm. So, you know, if you're running, uh, like, let's say it's a mile, you're probably going to run at about a four, four. So you're going to, every step you take, you'll take four steps for every inhale and then another four steps for every exhale, you know, and then near the end of that, it's going to be three, three, and then two, two. Um, if you're in a CrossFit workout, a really common one would be 400 meter run, come inside the gym, do a couple things, you know, a couple burpees, a couple pull-ups, a couple clean and jerks, and then go back outside and run again, 400 meters, maybe three or four rounds that. So you're running 400 meters four times you're probably going to be breathing. You want to breathe in something like that at about a five, five. Mm. And so it's going to be really hard when you go out the door, you're going to want to breathe at two, two, you're going to go. <sighs> and so it's up to you to increase your, your step rate, shorter, sharper steps and get, get to that five, five where you can maintain your breath. And then those, that five, five will maintain for the entire run. However, as you get going, your actual meters per second, your miles per hour will increase, but you need to, you know, grab hold of your breath during that run instead of just sort of desperately running and just seeing what happens. Cause I'm sure <laughs> if you time most people's breathing, it would, it would be this really like, <gasps> and there, there wouldn't be a single full breath in that 400 meter run. Right. Uh, you know, and that's, and in our sport, a lot of times running is the recovery when you get inside is when you make ground and that's when you go unbroken and you, you know, do things fast. So, um, yeah, it's, those are two things that are the simple, the simple things I use breath in. Amazing. So you're telling me you're not just a bunch of crazies out there just smashing weights. Like there's a ton. Oh, there's a lot of us out there. (laughs) (laughs) I can't speak for all of us. (laughs) So understanding, you know, you guys, and and I I believe CrossFit is really pushing the limits of of human physicality. Training and competition is, is where the breakdown happens and recovery is where the build back up happens. Can you talk to me a little bit about your recovery game and, and how much and how important recovery is for you? Because most people just see and glorify the weights coming off the ground, but really the better you are, and I believe this fully, and, and I believe the next level of performance for sport lies in the recovery bit and getting smarter with that. Talk to me about your recovery game. Yeah, that's, 
that's huge. Um, it's definitely something even, you know, uh, I've started to meet people in um, some pro sports like NBA type stuff or at least through word of mouth. And I think a lot of those places are still really, really behind on that. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of this macho like train more, get better attitude. And it's that's just not the case. It's just not the case. I mean, you know, you can, I mean, it's it's basically this is the question. You want to squat more weight? Yes. Okay. You want to squat more. Uh, so you're going to squat heavy four times a day, seven days a week, 365, right? Then you'll squat more. Well, no, that's too much. Okay. Well, then you just admitted that there is such a thing as too much. Therefore, there's such a thing as too little. You can't squat once a month. So where's the line, right? And you, you got to find that line. And you do need to squat more to, to get stronger. But there is such a thing as too much. So you've just admitted that. So let's move on and let's figure out what the right amount is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the biggest, you know, I, um, the biggest thing I've found that helps in recovery and recovery is huge. Recovery is king because the more recovered you are, the harder you can hit what your training needs to be. The more intensity you have, that's when you get the real results that like close to hundred percent effort. If you can hit that more regularly, you're going to have an advantage as opposed to just kind of mindlessly rolling through a practice it's like rolling up to you know volleyball practice you kind of roll up and you're late and you lace on your shoes you kind of stretch your knuckle crack your knuckles all right let's go you know snap a few balls around (laughs) get a couple serves in all right good practice boys it's like you didn't get any better today you should have just stayed at home yeah you know you would have been better you know stretching and passing a ball against a wall for 20 minutes with focus and mentally visualizing yourself serving than you were spending two hours in a gym um, Martin's smiling right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I, all you're preaching to the choir here. This is beautiful. So how do you make that work for you so, then? Knowing that, how do you so, make that work? Yeah. So recovery, I mean, you know, recovery, the two, the, the biggest, the three biggest things, um, sleep, sleep is king. Uh, you know, the more sleep you can get, and I wouldn't even put a number on it as much. I mean, definitely eight hours. I think that's sort of like the blanket. If you're, if you're, if you're consistently getting less than that, you're probably in trouble. Um, so starting with that and then getting more if you can and, you know, doing it all like blackout curtains, making sure you're not watching TV beforehand, no blue light beforehand, maybe a face mask, maybe earplugs, um, meditating a little bit beforehand, having like a light that like wakes you up slowly instead of like a bam, 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 alarm clock. Um, you know, you could start with a bit of like a melatonin if you needed to, um, to kind of get yourself back into it. And then just living a, a slightly reduced stress life will, Mm -hmm. you know, help you sleep better. And then stress will help you recover as well. Less stress. Uh, that's huge. Water is huge. Drinking water. That's something I've been going back to. It's, you know, drinking a little more than you think you should. There's such a thing as overhydration. I haven't known anyone that it's negatively affected. Um, I'd be happy to have that problem drinking too much water. (laughs) So, uh, I think that both of those are low hanging fruit, man. You're, you're nailing exactly. it. Absolutely. Not to Everyone interrupt, but do those two. It, the sleep hygiene is, is so huge. And, and talking with youth on my side, it's like, if you're not getting eight hours right now, then you need to seriously reevaluate your shit. Cause there's no excuse as a kid, you're growing up. And now as a pro athlete, like, Oh, I was doing this. I was on my phone. I watched Netflix. It's like, no, no, you're leaving stuff on the table. Grow up, get some sleep. Yeah. And, 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 honestly, and yeah. I was going to say a little, little plug. You recently got a nice little mattress. I saw that. Talk to me yeah. about a little mattress game. Yeah, that was kind of the last step. I mean, I've been hacking my sleep um, the last couple of years. Little things, blue light glasses before I go to bed. They look like the you know the glasses that what's the X-Men cyborg or whatever wears on um, Cyclops uh, <laughs> to block out the blue. And, uh, and then I got a mattress from Haven Mattress. They're a Canadian company, and it's got some recovery materials in it. Uh, supposed to help nighttime recovery but it's just super comfortable and it's cool um you know you want to have your room a little bit lower temperature than you think it's supposed to be cool in there and if you have a shower before you go to bed it should be not a hot shower it should be cold ish for sure for um, sure and yeah haven mattress so if you're interested and you're in canada get on that um <laughs> but uh yeah they're cool they're a good company and then the, and, the, the third piece to that that you were going to bring up yeah uh nutrition so, you know, um, and, and you know, if you're, if you're a young athlete listening to this, uh, you know, honestly, one of the hardest parts of my day is when it's 7 PM and it's, there's always stuff to do, you know, like I have a to-do list and I have a big to-do list and it's always big. 
and the hardest and when you're there's this like weird moment in the evening where you're like you kind of want to just like relax and get stuff done the hardest thing to do is say it's 7 p.m i have to start getting ready for bed and it's like that's harder than working out like when you're in the gym it's it's easy you know like you're already there you know you're gonna throw weights around that's that's the fun stuff and then it's when you're at 7 p.m or 7 30 and you're like damn it like i have to get to bed because i know i have to wake up at x time right you have, you have school the next day you have work the next day you have to wake up at this time. So then you have to work your way backwards and be like, damn, I got to cut my night short. Maybe I want to watch that show. Maybe I want to, you know, stay up and text someone or, you know, answer a few more emails or, you know, feel that self-satisfaction from getting a few things done on my to-do list or tidy my room or whatever it is that you want to do in the evening. You have to say, no, it's more important. I get more sleep. That is so hard. It's harder than almost anything uh, that I do in a day and I have to do it daily. And I'm not, I'm still guilty of occasionally staying up too late, but, uh, as a whole, if you can, if you can master that and have that dedication to get to bed and then so nutrition, um, yeah, I'm not going to get, I'm not a nutrition expert. I have a nutritionist that helps me. Um, but the better you eat, it's just, you know, the, it's going to be night and day the way your body feels Mm -hmm. and your mind. Yeah. There's a lot of different tunnels there, so we can, we can certainly leave that one. We just spoke about your, your mattress sponsor. Um, you've done a great job of activating sponsors and, and partners. You know, we're living in a new era where you can represent yourself on your own channels and, and build a story around partnership. It's no longer yeah. about they paid me to do this and I'm going to have this like lame photos. Like you're actually bringing people in along your journey. And, and the one that I'm having a blast watching is Zevia with you. And, you know, talk to me a little bit about the relationship that you have with Zevia and how you've incorporated them into your brand, because it's, it's a lot of fun, man. You're, you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I, um, I love Zevia and we got together, it was only around this time last year. And, um, you know, I think both of us, like, I feel almost inseparable with that brand. Like I honestly, like I'm like, I feel with my other brands, I'm, I'm with Reebok. The, the big ones are Reebok, um, Zevia. And I recently just partnered with Ascent Protein, a supplement company that's, um, based in Denver, Colorado, and I'll be going to visit them next week. And I'm really, really excited about that partnership. I nice. know from someone else, uh, who's with them, Katrin David's daughter, how, how great that partnership looks with her. And so I know that it's going to be the same for me, but we'll, we'll go with Zevia. Um, you know, it's, you know, what, what, what a company wants at the end of the day, you know, what a company wants is they, you know, they want to, they want your help moving the needle, right? You know, they want to help, they want you to help them, you know, drive sales, right? Um, that's not, a, it's not a secret. Um, but in order for that to work, there has to be something deeper than that. And so with Zevia, um, I truly believe in the product and I think that comes through in what I post for them. And I try to be, you know, uh, sincere and integral and we have a relationship where you know I talk to um, you know I have a few people that I talk to regularly and so we sort of plan these posts that I'm going to make or what I'm going to say and there's a back and forth there's like oh Brent you know we we're thinking of doing this and I'm like mm, people won't like that I don't like that like yeah. how about we change it this way and they're always super open and we always find a, a middle ground and I've never had to do anything I don't like and um, I've never posted anything that obviously doesn't align with with what they want and what they want, um, you know, sort of their, their brand image as well. They're very, uh, they're very light. They're very, you know, kind of bubble gum and rainbows and like they're, they're, they're a very fun company. That's their, uh, that's their sort of motif. They're not dark and brooding, um, which some other brands are, which is cool too, but that's not really me, um, either. So there's, it's, it's allowed me to showcase, I, I can be serious. Um, but it allows me to kind of showcase my fun, my fun side. And I think it's, you know, they, they truly care about, you know, me and Claire and, you know, they, they gave us, you know, a, a wedding gift and, uh, I went down there for their annual general meeting and got to sort of speak to them about sort of similar conversation we're having now, just mm-hmm. about, you know, my life and, um, you know, what, just a bunch of things about my journey and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a true partnership and I think, you know, if someone's listening to this and they want to, uh, um, you know, partner with a brand, I think, you know, if it really is going to work long term, they need to, it, it's like a partnership with, you know, uh, a significant other, like, you know, if you want to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you know, there has to be, you have to, I, I gave this, uh, I mean, it's kind of getting rambly here, but, uh, so I had this friend, 
uh, and he's like, oh, you know, girls that uh, I really like girls with tattoos and like dark hair. <laughs> and I look at him and, you know, he's like blonde and glasses and kind of nerdy. And I'm like, they're not going to like you, man. Like, no offense, <laughs> but, you know, picture that girl in your mind and then picture what that girl wants. And it's, you know, they want a guy on a, you know, on a, on a motorbike with tattoos and leather, you know, and you're not that. So it's like you either have to become that or think of the girl that's going to like a guy like you. And it's kind of like that with sponsors. It's like, okay, you know, if you really want to get sponsored by name a brand, like what kind of athletes do they sponsor? What kind of athletes are they looking for? And, you know, I'm not saying change who you are, but you either have to change who you are or find someone else that fits that motif, um, a, a brand that really fits who you are. And then you have to find a way, you know, to, to, you know, help them move the needle. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and find, you know, a partnership that, you know, you don't, you don't want to feel slighted by the, the relationship you have as far as like the contract and they don't, you know, it's not going to be healthy either if, you know, you rip them off and, you know, you take more than, than you're giving because long-term that'll never work. Yeah. So you have to, you have to find that middle ground. And at the end of the day though, I mean, you know, uh, when people ask about like, Oh, how'd you, I'm like, you know what? I, I got second in the world and you know, good things start happening when you have <laughs> success on, let's call it the leaderboard or, you know, like maybe if it's social media world, if you have followers, so there's kind of this balance, like, you know, I've, you're going to have a tough time, you know, asking Reebok for a sponsorship unless you're one of the best CrossFit athletes in the world. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, it makes sense on, on both sides of that, both from a relationship side and then both of the, the things that are within your control, which oftentimes is performance. And yeah, and it is. Getting up you know, the, the, the cool stuff like that comes later, um, which is never, you know, I mean, I never started working this hard in CrossFit with any hopes of, you know, getting any of those sponsorships. That's not why you can't get that high with that as your goal. Yeah. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to get to the NBA because you want to be rich and famous. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're going to get there because you have this like deep love of getting better and playing the game. There's a lot easier ways to become rich and famous. Let's just say, <laughs> let's just yeah, say it's that. like, uh, if I would have, if I did it for the money, I would have become a lawyer. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one more, one more touch point with CrossFit and then I want to, I want to move past it. Cause there, there's a lot of you that, that is not CrossFit. Um, yeah. so when you step on the field of play, I don't know actually what to call that, but let's call it the CrossFit field of play, yeah. uh, if that makes sense. Yep. What what do you stand for, man? What is it that you, when you show up, when you're standing there next to your opponents, when, when you're competing, what's your message? Like, what do you want people to know about you and your ethos? And what are you trying to bring forward through your actions by you suffering, by you going through this? What are you bringing to life? That's a really good question, and I think I've had that asked to me before, and they're like, what's your why? Right? I think it's, it's a similar question. Like, why do you do this? And, uh, you know, I honestly, I think that's something that I haven't truly found the answer for. I'll be completely honest. It's not – some people can, they can whip that answer up right away. Um, you know, usually I, I've always liked working hard for an end goal and the satisfaction that it brings when you've, you've worked hard – and you, you know, you were, I think there's an element of bravery and working hard towards something that you don't truly know will, will come true. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to, you know, you're still working towards it and hoping it'll happen. And then, you know, when it does, there's this element of relief and joy and thankfulness and gratefulness. And I, I love that feeling. Um, and I think it's, it's sort of changing. I think it's, um, you know, I think now I'm starting to sort of see, in the, in the distant future, maybe the near future, um, you know, maybe continuing to use my platform, honestly, in a similar way that you are, Martin, and that is to help uh, young athletes um, and people, uh, you know, find, you know, learn valuable life lessons through sport. Love that. Yeah, and so I think it's, you know, I think that, Right now, my time is best spent, you know, getting better and sort of so I can increase the reach of my platform mm -hmm. and hopefully do that in a way that is not too selfish. I mean, there is a selfish element to it. So right now when people watch me, I hope that, you know, they can be inspired by, you know, my work ethic and my dedication and you know, I think, I think my attitude when I compete is not one of, you know, I'm not gritting my teeth. I'm not 
you know, spitting at my competitors. It's, it's an attitude of, you know, joy and, um, you know, appreciation and that there right now, at least I hope I can be a bit of a light, like, you know, there, there is another way to go. You don't have to be, you know, uh, I need to win more than anything. It's like, no, you know, you can, you can be truly great. Um, I think one in this sport, you can be truly great and be tall, which is outside the norm in this sport. Just like you can be a great basketball or volleyball player and be short. It's uncommon, but it's possible. And so, you know, I want, I want that to sort of be, you know, kind of a light, but also you can be great without, you know, sacrificing your sanity and without becoming a terrible person and, you know, loving people along the way and just being genuinely happy all the time, whether you come first or last and then long term, I'd like to sort of use that platform to uh, help other people have even a shred of the um, opportunities and experiences and growth that I've experienced through sport. Yeah, amazing. And you know what? I see it. <clears throat> I see it, dude. I, I see the vibe coming out of your your socials. When we talk, you're you're always in a great place, and you make people smile and. You know, I'm chewing on on a, an ethos for myself of I want to change the, the the way we use the word compete, and it's mm. it's to strive together, together being with ourselves, with the people that are on our team, and and with the people that are actually not on our team as well. And if we can always come together with the intention of making each other better by showing up at our best, the world becomes a better place. And I That's see. Really, that, I love that. That's I, very, very cool, Martin. I, I yeah. see that when I watch you compete, and and a part of that is is your trash talk. Like you guys have made a fun little culture, but it's it's all tongue in cheek. But it's also you guys have moved away from. I hate you. I'm going to crush you, and you never talk, and you only meet in competitions. To this neat dialogue where you guys are showing your human being, and watching you have a tablespoon of. Um, wasabi. <laughs> of wasabi the other day it was painful to watch, but it's it's really fun to see adult males bring some fun and some love and some joy into a pursuit that oftentimes is associated with inner you know struggle and pain and woe is me and grind you know mm. yeah that's really cool no I I really really I should I should have written that down. Uh, <laughs> I like that. No, because I'm I'm kind of working. I'm I'm literally sort of in the process of thinking about like what is you know what what is you know if I had to highlight you know if I had a banner underneath my name and it was you know a sentence like what would that be? And I really like that. Um, yeah, I mean competition. That's it's not about winning yet. Yeah, it's not about winning and losing. And that's not. I don't have the goal of winning the CrossFit Games. I mean, obviously, my the trajectory of my training is to get me as good as possible at that time of year, Mm -hmm. giving myself the best opportunity to potentially win, you know, a medal. And hopefully that's a gold, but it's not about that. You know, I'm not, if I finish my CrossFit career, um, without that, it wasn't a failure. Just like if I had finished, I hadn't made the games. It wasn't a failure. Uh, you know, I've already succeeded. Success is the peace of mind knowing you've given the best you can give. Oh, yeah, I was right. just about to use that quote on John you, so. Wooden. Yeah, <laughs> John nice. Wooden, great quote. So yeah. we're we're gonna take the flag that that's over top of you from tall white guy into bigger purpose. So I, I'd love to be a part of that journey, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd I'd love to have that conversation, um, you know, on or off the, the mic sometime. And I'm still, you know, there's a bunch of little things. And right now, you know, the the real the real kind of focus outside of you know trying to get good is sort of in trying to increase my profile in a healthy way um, so that when those plans start to formulate, there's just a bigger, you know, a bigger soapbox to yell at people. Yeah. yeah, I, no, I, Absolutely. I, I love it yeah. for more people to watch you put yourself in, into painful situations with wasabi and, and with weights. That's it. <laughs> well, let's, let's, I wasn't going to go here, but let's, let's shine the light on future Brent. Like you've alluded to it a little bit of you want to, you're interested in creating a platform to inspire and to connect people. Will that be through the physical pursuit? Like you alluded to a, a platform in one of our last conversations where you're looking to, to get into some programming and offer some things to people online. Like, is that what you're still working on or have you kind of pivoted a little bit? Yeah, so you know, short term within the next twelve months, I am working on a program uh, for CrossFitters specifically that um, 
I don't want to give too much of it away. But uh, no, no that, that, and that's all right. That's all right. Uh, it'll, it'll, be, it'll basically be a program for CrossFitters to get better. It's, it's going to be a little unique. It's not just going to be a do exactly what Brent Fikowski does every day um, because I don't think that's what people need. Um, it's going to have value uh, for people to get better. Um, that's that's more not that that not that there's anything. That's not a sh- we'll call it, that's the short term plan. Um, Long term, I would like to do something even if there's no more so just as like a, a pet project break even type endeavor. I, I do want to help, you know, teenage athletes. Uh, you know, I think the two best things you can get out of sport as a youth is the primary one is the life lessons from it. Um, you know, just, just all that you can learn from sport. And, and then the second one in an ideal situation, if the opportunity arises is getting, you know, potentially a scholarship to play at a university or college again, because that's going to, you know, enhance your ability to, you know, with your life to make money and to have a great career. Um, if you can get education for free, that's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. So, so those are the two things I think that teenage athletes can, can really get from sport. Those are two great things. And so, you know, if I can help teenage athletes, uh, pursue both of those, then that would be, you know, I'd be really, I think that'd be great. So there's, I don't have really any idea on how that's going to look. And that's, that's once probably I hang up the CrossFit sneakers, mm-hmm. um, which could be years from now, but that's kind of like a long-term thing. Short-term, uh, yeah, make a program, uh, make a website, uh, a company, which is in the works and, um, and yeah, continue just, you know, to kick butt. And, uh, I'm still, I'm still working part-time as a, at the, at a company. And I intend to work for that company for, um, years to come. Um, yeah. Cause cool. I love it there. Beautiful. Well, I, I really enjoy bringing love to the forefront. And so we, we've spent a lot of time here on CrossFit, which is fantastic, but I want to talk to you about, another part of your life that's incredibly important and you recently married her. Um, you know, we as high performers, there's, there's some people that don't necessarily show up in the photos or aren't necessarily seen every single day, but play an integral role in our success and supporting us. You know, I'd, I'd love to talk to talk about Claire a little bit and like, you know, how does Claire support you and, and, you know, share a little bit about how much you love her, man. Yeah. Um, so I married Claire, uh, in September, we're almost, we're a two day, a day away from our uh, six month anniversary of getting married. So that's pretty cool. Which side note, if you haven't seen Brent's highlight wedding video, I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> Steven Spielberg directed it. Uh, <laughs> that was epic, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you, that was you cool. Guys had, yeah. You guys had an amazing, amazing wedding. That, that thing was a, a, a fairy tale. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. We, we sort of eloped in, uh, Bali uh, with four friends and you know we uh it was relatively inexpensive to do the whole thing actually it wasn't relatively it was inexpensive and then we hired this camera crew and they were getting into the film thing and they're like oh you know we'll charge you a couple hundred bucks extra and we'll do a film and i was like yeah sure and then they just like made this freaking epic like instagram ready highlight reel <laughs> all right like, oh, that's cool like there we go um <laughs> Uh, so Claire and I have been, you know, together now for, um, you know, for five years. Um, and we joke about this all the time. Uh, Hey Claire. Uh, Oh, good timing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, she, we joked about it. Something like, uh, I don't know, you know, occasionally on, watch my foot, Claire, sorry. Um, occasionally on like social media, you know, some girl like, Oh, you're, so dreamy or something, right? I'm like, oh, thank you, whatever. And so <laughs> there's this joke between us where, uh, you know, on social media, obviously, you know, I try to like, like life's awesome. And I like this, this whole like CrossFit journey, I'm super cool and whatever. And it's, it's not really that great. Um, it means that Claire and I don't go and watch movies at all, or we don't go on, you know, we don't go out for dinner like at all. I rarely take her dancing cause I'm busy, you know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to be a professional athlete. And so, um, it's not glamorous like people expect, as she said. And then the only time where you might be able to like soak that cool part in is at the games or regionals. And she doesn't get to see me because I'm, you know, behind closed doors. I'm all under wraps. I'm trying to stay away from crowds. I'm trying to focus on my own performance. You know, I'm not going out into crowds, giving high fives, kissing Claire on a balcony with photos and paparazzi. It's not like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, she's here for, for the hard parts, you know, and she, 
she experiences more of the difficult times and she gets to enjoy the the cool moments to be completely honest and so um you know she grew up as a gymnast um she, she understand she always understood even when we started dating before I was any good and there was any chance of you know a Zevia sponsorship <laughs> you know she, she was uh she was on board with you know helping me just achieve my you know work hard for the sake of working hard and she saw the value in that and you know the value I guess in my character because of that and you know and then I help I help try and do my best to help support her and and her dreams as well and there's a you know give and take and you know we've grown together even in these past couple of weeks, we've had a couple of very stressful um, weeks and months recently with just a bunch of stuff. We've moved house, our car broke down. She's been studying, she's been sick. I've had the CrossFit open, um, like a, a lot um, moving around my position at work. Like all these things have all sort of come up around the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we've tackled them together, and we've yeah we've grown you know a lot in these months, and that's what's about you know growing through these experiences, and so yeah I'm just really grateful to have to have her love it well she can't hear you and she's right beside you so hopefully she can she can buy into this um you know for for me on on my side you know my my girl julia is is such a huge part of what i do and, and she holds me accountable and so you know I, I just love to know like in what way does claire hold you accountable to the to the be the best brent hmm. um how does claire hold me accountable to be the best brent I usually, I'm pretty good at holding myself accountable. <laughs> if anything, she probably helps, uh, she helps calm me down. I, I'm, I've always been like super focused and if anything, I, I, I worry too much and I try too hard. And so there, you know, there's times when she, you know, is like, Brent, it's time to sit down and eat food and not think about anything else and mm-hmm. just hang out. And, and she's got a pretty good gauge for, when I'm getting a little too stressed and maybe trying too hard and trying to do too much. Um, so, all right, Brent, it's time to go to bed. Like it's time to, time to sleep now, like stop fussing and you know, <laughs> like it's over. And so she's pretty, uh, pretty in tune with my emotions. So it's, it's usually that it's usually, you know, her helping me, um, knowing when I need to calm down and, and even without saying it, you know, if I'm getting really stressed, she'll, you know, she'll go and make me food and bring it to me and, just pat me on the back. And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. That's the best. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> you know, talking about love, talking about enjoyment, um, obviously CrossFit takes up a lot of your time and you're really dedicated and, and committed to your goals, what, whatever those are. It sounds like it's it's to stand on top of the podium for, for this year and, and hopefully beyond. Um, where do you find joy and love in your life outside of CrossFit? Like, talk to me about it. Some some moments that you you cherish beyond the gym. Um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely my relationship with Claire, and you know, some of the moments we've shared together. Um, obviously, our wedding, and you know, there's even been a few little trips we've had that have. Usually when we when we leave Kelowna, it's usually because of CrossFit, um, full disclosure. So whenever we go outside of the city, always pretty much outside of our wedding, it's basically been it. So whenever we leave, you know, Kelowna, it's typically for a CrossFit thing, whether that's maybe a trip to see a sponsor or a trip to compete. Um, but we've had some really cool experiences with that and uh, you know, so all my moments with Claire. And then my other moments of enjoyment, uh, you know, I... I enjoy CrossFit, but I would say at work. So I work at a, um, so I have my accounting degree. I worked at a tech, I still work at a tech startup. I've worked there for three years now. And, you know, I've been there. I was an accountant as they grew. You know, we were the Canada's fastest growing startup company wow. last year. Wow. Um, yeah. And so I was, you know, I was part of that. I got to, you know, be there and try to, you know, try to keep track of it all. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be vain and say it was all me. Um, it was definitely not me. Uh, but I was there, you know, and I was, um, it, we went from seven employees and to, you know, 30 something and, um, to be there and to watch that growth and a lot of learning and a lot of leveling up was required by myself and even more learning and more leveling up was required by the two owners and, you know, how they dealt with, that explosive growth and what they had to learn and how fast they had to level up and how fast they still have to level up 
and are still learning um, is super impressive and their dedication to that. And it's been super inspiring. Um, and it's been exciting. There've been, it's, you know, the highs have been really high there and there have been some lows because it's, you know, it's crazy there. It's, uh, things are happening fast. Um, and now I've moved into a, um, a role in the same office, uh, sister company still kind of owned by the same overhead. I won't get, anyway, I'm doing project management, so I'm not, not in the books, not counting the beans anymore, uh, doing some part-time work, doing some part project management and just trying to learn and, you know, do business stuff and, uh, long story short, we make money on the internet. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to, and just learning about how that all works. And, um, you know, there might be some learnings there that I transfer into some, you know, like obviously it'll help a little bit with some of the CrossFit, uh, that the program that I'm making, but yeah, I think I've just, there's been so much learning and I've learned so much on stress management working there, which is, you know, which has translated to um, to my life as an athlete as well. It's like you can't be situ- – um, a really big thing I've learned recently is you cannot be situationally mentally tough. You know, how you deal with traffic, how you deal with an argument with your spouse, how you deal with an argument with your mother, how you deal with stress at work is exactly how you're going to deal with stress in the middle of a volleyball game. Oh, there you go. Yes, that's so Boom. good, man. That's that there's you want, and people oh like what books do you read? Do you meditate? I'm like, man, every every single situation is an opportunity to practice how you're going to deal with adversity because at the end of the day everyone can be mentally tough when things are going well. Yeah. When you're winning a volleyball game and your buddy just got a huge point and then you just got a huge point, yeah, congratulations, you're mentally tough, you're feeling great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but when things go poorly, that's that's when it's tough to play at your best and it's no different in life. You know, it's tough to give your best and be focused and, you know, keep chugging away when everything seems to be going wrong. And so they're, they're completely one and the same. There's hardly a difference. And, you know, I learning, you know, the experiences I've had at the office and at home and in traffic are what make me, uh, I think a fairly tough, uh, mental competitor during competition. That's so good, man. Well, let's two two more things yeah. and, and then we'll, we'll close her down. You alluded to watching me on videos doing CrossFit eons ago. I, I will not take any responsibility for your success as a CrossFit athlete, but <laughs> I, I'm going to flip the script, you know, in what way does, does leadership or mentorship show up for you right now? Or do you have an outlet where you're able to give back when you're in the gym, when you're training? Like, are you actively able to, to participate in leadership or mentorship? Cause I, I see you as someone who is conscious of giving back quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that I, I want to do more of. Uh, there's definitely, like we just talked about, there's an element of, you know, my time is limited and I know that, in, I, I have, I know that in time I'll give back more. Um, I want to expand my profile and expand, um, you know, what I'm capable of kind of strike while the iron's hot, so to speak, so I can give back more later when I'm at the CrossFit gym, Kona CrossFit, I do, you know, try to give a lot. I occasionally do a little, um, you know, some workshop with some local people. And whenever I'm in the gym, I try to be, I'm selfish with my time, but I try not to be overly selfish and I'm always, you know, giving pointers to, uh, to help people improve, you know, mostly technically, but also when I can, um, you know, emotionally and stuff as well and give a leadership output. And I, I train actually occasionally with some young athletes. Uh, I do some sprinting work, some running and most of the athletes that I'm training with there and their teams. And so when I'm there, I definitely try to, uh, you know, impart little bits of wisdom and I definitely am. Yeah. There's, there's a, it, it, what's, what's always, yeah, I, tr- I try as best as I can when I'm there. I'm very, very cognizant of how I'm acting and what I'm saying because, nice. you know, there's, it's, it's something I've been trying to wrap my head around is, you know, if, if I was speaking in front of, you know, a group of student athletes for half an hour or an hour, like, like I'm trying to think, I'm looking back when I was that age, I'm like, what could have anyone said that would have made a difference? And <laughs> totally, I think, you know, it, it's like, I'm like, I don't know if, like, I don't know if there's something you could, you know, cause I, I had speeches like that and sometimes they stick and sometimes they didn't. I think really the only way you can truly make connection is with repeated contact. Yeah. There has to be a relationship. There has to, trust has to be built. They have to bring down the wall 
and they have to say how they're truly feeling. You have to make them understand that, yeah, everyone, you know, you, you look at someone else in your class and, oh, that guy, he's like super handsome and he's popular. He must have everything going for him. He's like, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's just as messed up in his head as you are. And like things are terrible for him. He's a teenager. Like life is terrible, you know, and everyone has these doubts and these insecurities. And so, you know, allowing them to have someone they can trust to talk about those and, you know, using their sport as an outlet to, to learn about themselves. Um, for sure. But yeah, I, I do, I do try to give back. It's, it's not as much as I think I would like. Um, you know, the, the, the reason is because I'm, I'm trying to maximize what I can do. Strike while the iron's hot and yeah, but hopefully more in the future. Well, you, you nailed it and you alluded to this piece is, you know, by you showing up and going through it and leading through your actions, it is just as valuable as, as you, you know, setting aside time to talk because I don't think we've ever lived in a culture where talk has been more cheap. It's so easy on every single platform yeah. to to say some BS just because you want to look good. You want it to show up good from the stands. But if you don't live into the values that you're, you're sharing or if your actions do not align with your words, that's where we start to lose people. And so I, I'll just give you another tip of the hat, man, like, from from knowing you a little bit and and seeing your seeing what you're about and, and your talk like you're you're talking it but you're walking it more importantly which is great and thanks uh, yeah absolutely it, it shows and so last point which was a star that we we chew, chewed on at the the very beginning of the conversation you know using sport instead of sport using you how does that show up for you right now yeah I I recently just heard that exact expression um i was listening to i listened to a lot of stuff from joshua medcalf and he was talking about that and it just like it totally rung true to me and i'm super fortunate that i mean like we've been talking about i've been saying you know i'm the goal is to short term is leveraging you know my success in this sport to um you know to have cool experiences and to learn you know about myself and to become a better person Um, so one day I can become, you know, a better father and continue to become a better spouse and, you know, maybe go on like some cool vacations because, you know, people like CrossFit around the world and that might happen. So, um, that's like short-term stuff, but then, you know, uh, long-term is, you know, being able to reach more people and then being able to essentially give this message of, like I said, to young athletes, you know, using your sport and not allowing your sport to use you. I think we see it too often. Um, I think there's definitely a bit of a cliche, although I'm not involved in the sport with uh, American football, gridiron, that, you know, there's these young guys that are just training so hard to try to make, you know, maybe that's an NCAA team or an NFL team, and they're hustling and they're just giving up everything and they're working so hard, and all they are is one injury away from not being able to play again being bankrupt and you know the team's just casting them aside and saying okay next linebacker okay there you are running back come on in you're just as fast as him you know we're not going to wait for his ankle to heal that's that's six months we don't have so you're out you're in you know your scholarships toast or your you know your, your nfl contracts toast or before you even get to that point and then all of a sudden they're left with nothing yeah. and you know it's all of a sudden they, they've been used by their sport uh, and, and that's the same in swimming. You know, I, a lot of people, they don't go back into the water cause they hate it. You know, they, they stared at that black line for so long and they can't even swim anymore in a, in a pool because they're just so sick of it. And, you know, the, and it was a huge part of their life. It was, and unfortunately it was their identity. And that's the real problem is it becomes your identity that I am a student athlete or I am an athlete. It's like, no, you're John, your name's John, you're a human being you know, you, you have a mother, you have a sister, you know, you, you're, you're a human and your worth is not determined by what you do. It's just who you are. It's how you treat people. It's the quality of who you are as a husband, as a father, as a sister, as a boyfriend, as a stranger, as a customer, as a, as a human, as how you treat everyone. There's your value. It's not how, you know, how many dunks you got in the last game, right? Um, dunks are really cool. Don't want to take that away from dunks. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, you, you know, it's, you hit it. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that's it. You hit it, Brent. Well, listen, man. Let's let's close it there on, on that maple gold. That was that was beautiful. And I just want to compliment you on on letting us 
into your journey for, for being human, for what you just spoke about, man. It could be very easy for you to place your identity in your friend score and how much you lift and, you know, put that up as a shield in front of you and, and not let people in. And, and you do a great job of inviting people to participate in your journey because you like having fun. You like bringing other people in. You love sharing that Claire's a part of your life and an incredibly important part of your life at that. Um, so it's it's just a blast. And, and there's a lot of professional athletes that, that could learn a lot from how you hold yourself and, and the accountability and responsibility that, that you live into, man. So, um, you. you know, from afar, keep it up. Thank you, Martin. Appreciate Yeah, yeah I appreciate the, the talk and I hope people... Um, Hope people enjoy this. Hopefully, more uh, more conversations like this to come. Well, it's one of my first episodes, so I'm I'm leaning on you heavily for for listenership here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I'll be posting about yeah, it. No. <laughs> uh, you know what, man? It's the 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 teacher shows up when when the people are ready. So you know this this episode will will live on the internets for a long time, and you know hopefully hopefully they can meet Brent Fukowski off of the the CrossFit field of play. Right on, dude. Okay, thanks a lot for your time. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Ciao.